you know, speaker for Sunday, because he's not going to realize how tired he's going to be coming back from camp. And then he, I heard the Lord say, well, what about you? Me? Well, I'm not a father. So what am I going to talk about on Father's Day? I'm not a father. And he said, but you know the Father's love. And I'm like, okay. So that's the that's what we're doing. So I'm honored that you're uh, allowing me to to be up here today and share what the Lord has put on my heart. And I know that Father's Day can be very challenging, especially for us that don't have a father that's in our home or our father has passed or our relationship with our, our earthly father has been, you know, lackluster, I'll put it that way, has been filled with complicated things. Um, and even if you've had the very best father that you ever could have on this earth, I just want to encourage you that, just like our sister said, our Heavenly Father is so much better Amen. than any earthly father we could have, even if you had the best. He's so much better. And so I want to talk to you guys today about the Father's love. And I can't really go anything about the Father's love until we really talk about the most precious example in the book of Luke, the story of the prodigal son. We're going to go to Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32, and I'm going to be hitting a bunch of different translations, because I like, I like to study. I like to study the Word. I like to hear different translations. I like for it to pull me and give me a word that makes more sense than anything. So I encourage you to write down these translations and go study when you guys get home and just read it. It's so rich. So we're going to be in the New Living Translation for this passage. Luke chapter 15, starting at 11 through 32. Jesus is telling them the example. He just told them the example of, of if one sheep goes astray, that the shepherd leaves and goes find that one sheep. He's trying to explain to the disciples and to the people around and the Pharisees that are listening about just how great the love of the Father is. And so he gives them three stories, and this is the last example he gives them. He says, a man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him, his son said to his father, Father, I sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate the feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Pay attention to what happened with the older son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants what's going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattest calf. And we are celebrating because of the safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you. I never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all the time you've never given me a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day, this happy day, for your brother is dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just ask that your word would penetrate our hearts in our mind, God, we just surrender all of our expectations to you. Lord, some people came today to hear a message from a man to a man, and they came and were disappointed, but it wasn't that way. And so we just release the expectation. And Lord, we know we've heard this story many times, and so the mentality that it doesn't pertain to me, we release that expectation. Because your word, God, is rich, and it's powerful. And it cuts between our motives. It cuts between our hearts. Your word does not return void. It accomplishes the work it was designed to. And so, Lord, you are named this day with these people, your children, and this word is for us. So, Father, we just invite you to take over. Let nothing be said that's not you. This is your time. This is your word. And these are your children. Thank you that you've already given it. In Jesus' name. Y'all can be seated. Thank you for saying So we hear this story. We hear it often. If you've been in church long enough, you've heard this story. I want to point out some key things in this story because it really helps us understand just how our Heavenly Father loves us. In the story that we're seeing two sons, we always talk about the prodigal. We always talk about him. And then we mention his brother, but we don't really go into it. Today we're going to talk a little bit about him. So I just want you to understand that according to the culture of the time, for the prodigal son to go to his father and say, will you go ahead and give me my inheritance? I want it now. He was basically telling him this. He said, I wish you were already dead. That's the equivalent of what he was asking. I wish you were already dead because I just want my inheritance. So what a rejection the father must have felt. His son would rather him just be dead and he just have the, the narrative that was promised. What a rejection the father must have felt. He defiled himself. The prodigal son defiled himself. So we know that he squandered his money on prostitutes. But did you know that by him accepting the job, 
to go out into the field with the swine was against the law of Moses. The Jewish boy had no business around a pig. They said, don't, don't raise them, don't eat them, stay away from him. So that's why he said, I sinned against you and heaven. Because he broke that law of Moses. He was so deep in what he was gotten himself into that even the thing that he grew up knowing was right, he defiled. He, he just was desperate enough for food and work that it didn't really matter to him what he did, even if it defiled the roots that he was raised in truth. I want to, you to notice what the father was doing. He wasn't out in the house, and he wasn't out in the field, and he wasn't napping. He said when the, when the son was still a far way off, what did the father do? That I saw him. And when the father saw him, knowing that he was rejected, mm. completely rejected by the son, really had every right to be upset with him. Every right to just say, well, what do you want? Why are you coming back? You know what you did. That's not what he did. When he was a far way off, the father saw him. He was watching for him. And he ran to him. It was indecent for the master of the house to be running to anybody. Mm -hmm. So the father said, I don't care about my title. I don't care about any status. My love for my son overrides it all. And he ran to him. And he said, filled with love and compassion. He was filled with love and compassion for his son, and he ran. But that's just, that's the, we can end it right there, and that's beautiful. Amen. That's beautiful. He loved him so much that he just let go of everything and ran to his son. But that's not the end. He embraced him. He kissed him. He loved on him. He called the servants. The, the son knew that even, even the servants were treated better than what he was going through. And even though he has defiled God and he has defiled his father, at least he would have something to eat. Because his father was at least good enough of a man to feed servants. And if he could just be a servant, it'd be okay. So he's begging his dad, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy to be your son. I, I've lost the inheritance. I've lost every right that I have to be called your son. But if you'll just receive me as a servant, if you'll just let me come serve you, that will be enough. And the father didn't even entertain the thought. He didn't say, well, you know, you're right. Yeah, I guess you could stay for a while and earn my trust back, build it up. Because you completely messed up, kid. You're a hot mess. But he didn't. He called the servant over, and he says, quickly. That means there's no time to waste. There was no, there's no grace period of redemption that he must walk through. He didn't even have to walk down the road any further. The road to redemption stopped right where the father met him. And he said, come on, serve it quickly. Bring him the finest robe. Do you know who wears the finest robe in a household back in that day? The master of the house. So he's saying, go get my robe. No longer does he need his robe. Go get my robe. So they got the father's robe, the master's robe. To place on him and cover him. And then what else did he get? A ring. And now, look, we're not really big into jewelry in our day and time, so 
That's just like, okay, cool, he's got some jewelry, so he got gold and a little bit of bling out, that's fine. But that ring gave him authority. That's right. It was a ring of authority. And as a son, returning home, it, it, it finalized his status as a son. Mm-hmm. He is a son because he has the ring of authority. So wherever he goes, whatever he says, whoever he speaks to, it must obey mm-hmm. because of his ring of authority that he had no right to have. Literally, he, he should have lost everything. And if it was this day and age, we wouldn't even have blamed the father. We'd call it tough love. Mm-hmm. But he gave him a ring and restored the authority of his sonship. But that's not it either. There's one more thing he did. He got sandals. Mm. And that doesn't seem significant to us. Because we always have shoes in our modern day. But in Bible times, back in Bible land, back in the day, they, they did not wear shoes. In fact, the slaves did not wear shoes. If he would not have given him shoes, this son would still have lived his life, yes, in his father's robe, yes, with authority, but still as a slave. Mm. So in order to change all that, his father called for sandals. So he had a a robe, a ring, and sandals. He said, now you are back home. I'm covering you with my righteousness. The robe, because it's his father's robe. It ain't even his. It's the father's righteousness. That covered the son. Amen. It's the ring of authority yeah. that he gave back. And he says, I don't want you to be a slave. Amen. I don't want you to try to earn back where you were. I don't Amen. want you to try to work yourself into earning anything. Amen. You are established here. Yes. Amen. And that's what the Father did. And that is the beauty. Because this is the example Jesus gave us of our earthly father. Or not earthly father, our heavenly father. There's an example of an earthly father to show us what the father's heart really is like. He just told them, and he will leave the 99 sheep for the one. If there's a lost coin, he will celebrate when it's found. And if there's a son that goes away and forgets everything, he will celebrate when he's back. And that's his love. Let's talk about the second son for a little bit. The second son reminds me a lot of the church, and not necessarily this church, but the American church. I want to help you see that. So we see that the second son got his inheritance that day too, but he didn't leave. He didn't go waste it. He didn't file it. He stayed, and he stayed in the father's house, and he served every day. If the father said do it, he did it, no issue. I'm going to serve every day and do what's right. That's what he said. That's what he did. So when this this son, when he sees his brother that has completely messed up, mm-hmm. has no right to anything, shouldn't have any right to mm-hmm. anything, go and and just defile God and defile his father's name, insult him, reject it. He watched it. He got to see all the rejection and the hurt his father went through. And his, when his brother returned, he was not happy. He said, all this time, in fact, we see that the first son rejected him by taking the inheritance and leaving. But in Jewish tradition, if you refuse to come to a banquet, that's rejecting and and very dishonorable to the master of the house. So the second son, full of anger, he rejected God too, or rejected his father too. 
Like we reject God. Mm. And so he rejected his father, refused to go into the banquet because he was just there. Because he was the one serving his father without any complaint for years. And the father looks at him and says, Today is a happy day and we must celebrate. Your brother was dead, completely dead to us. Was he really dead? No. What he's talking about, shut off, completely dead to us. And now he's alive again. So we must celebrate. And he tells him, son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. You could have had, pretty much he said, you could have had a party any time you wanted. Everything that is in this property, your inheritance, your placement, it's already yours. And many times, and this is what reminds me of the American church, is that many times we get in the church, we get saved, we come to Father, we come to know Jesus, and we come in and we serve in the church, and we serve him with everything, and we don't complain. And every day we show up, and we, we, we do exactly what the task is. And then... We're just, that's, that's all we do. We become pretty much slaves to service for the Lord. And we never really understand. The thing that the second son didn't understand that the first son did was the father's heart. The first son knew that even though he was a complete mess, his father would accept him back in the house. Even if it was just as a servant. He knew that his father would give him what he had, even if it was just for us for service. But the second son didn't understand the father's heart. Otherwise, he would have celebrated too. He would have understood the significance of the lost brother. But he didn't understand that he already had access to everything the father had. He already had the robe of righteousness. He already had the ring of authority. He already had the sandals that proved he was no longer a slave. But he didn't understand it. He didn't use it. And so the second son reminds me of the American church because a lot of times we don't really know the heart of the Father. We get stuck in the routine of we come to church, we do, we're sure we show up. I mean, we honor him with our with our presence and our attendance. But we don't live our life covered in his righteousness. And we don't definitely don't use the authority he's given us. And we definitely don't know what it's like not to be slaves. Mm. You see, for me, the Father's love is, is a big deal. I grew up with an amazing earthly father. Was he perfect? No. Mom's going to be like, who are you talking about? He was not perfect because he was yet human. And he was a very young father, too. So... He wasn't perfect, but he was he's one thing that my father has always taught me. It's never too late to make it right. It doesn't matter how much you mess up. It doesn't matter if you don't get it right all the time. It's never too late to try to make it right. And so my whole life has been him coming and making it right and showing us what's right, even though he's not been perfect. And so I honor you for that, Dad. But I've had an encounter with the Father's love this past year, 20. 20 was a year everything shut down. I had no choice but to get content with home. And it was a time that God's presence poured out in our life like never before. A lot of times people are like, 2020 was the worst year. And I'm like, 2020 was my best year. It was the best year because for the first time, I understood what it was like to be son number one and not son number two. I spent a lot of my 
my time serving God because I really wanted him to accept me. I really wanted his love. And I thought that if I just did everything right, if I showed up faithfully, I knew the word if I just did the word. And so I would take the word and I would, you know, almost like a, almost like a school project where you have to make a collage. And if I could just take that and glue it on to myself, okay, I got that scripture. If I take that and I glue it on, okay, then God's going to be very pleased with me and he's going to love me and I'm going to be be delighted in it, and I'm going to be great in his eyes, and that's all I want. So if there was a volunteer opportunity, I was there. It wasn't my calling. It wasn't my specialty. I had no idea how to do it, but I knew that it was what I call fill a need ministry. If there was a need, I was going to fill it. Whether I knew the how-to or not, or if it was my calling or anointing or not. So I constantly served. I served to the point that if, if I wasn't asked to serve, I questioned my value. Well, what's wrong with me? What did I do that God's not, not wanting me to serve? Or this person who I have to go through leadership, they don't see the potential. They don't see what God has is, is crafted in me. They don't see my importance. And so then I started to question my value. And it got to me through a season of not volunteering. And I didn't like it. I felt so useless. I felt lost. I'm not serving every Sunday, like on Wednesday or during the week. I'm not at the church five times a week. I don't. I really don't know what to do with my hands. Like Ricky Bobby, I was over there. Like, what to do with my hands? I don't know what to do. Because I've never been in a place where I felt God could accept me and love me if I wasn't working for Him. And in that season, He spoke these words to me. He said, "You are a human being, not a human doing. I want you to be." and not to do. And I thought, well, what value do I have if I don't work for your kingdom? And he should have every value in the world. See, Jesus came when we were still in sin. He chose us. Jesus came to die for us when we were still in sin. We did nothing to, to, to do it. I wasn't trying to have to be working in the church and let the outcome for her. No, it was before anything. And before the foundation of the earth, God chose us. He planned for us to be adopted into his family. Now I'm going to show it to you in the word here in a little bit. He chose us before anything. So accepting the love of the Father outside of works was so hard for me. I didn't understand it. I didn't think he could possibly love me if I didn't have anything to bring to the world. I was a second son. When I would see people who I know were living a messed up life and seeing blessings of God in their life, and God's still trying, he's still doing this thing, you know. I didn't feel they were consistent. I didn't feel they served or volunteered enough. And I would see God pouring his spirit on them. And I'd well, what about me? I've been here this whole time. And he said, like he told the son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is already yours. But you have to allow the robe and the ring and the sandals to clothe us. Amen. We have to really let it clothe us. Because that's our identity we're covered in. The story of the prophet's son can be very difficult for us because we see this father who just forgives. He didn't even ask for an explanation. He didn't even ask. He didn't care. But we, we know that if that was my daddy, yeah, he'd be sitting out the road with a hickory, waiting for me to come down because he has something he needs to tell me. <laughs> or he'd have that look like this, and he'd be like, oh, my God, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. 
forgiveness and have a good relationship years later, it would be a work. Because we're human. We put a lot of human characteristics on the love of God. Mm -hmm. He's nothing mm -hmm. like that. He says that the minute we confess our sins, he forgives it. As far as the east is from the west. He's like, mm -hmm. you, you said you were repented. I let go. We bring it up to him all the time. Like, do you remember that? And he says, no, I forgot it. I chose to forgive it. I chose to forget it. His love, man, it's limitless. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. And I just want to encourage you that no matter what your relationship with your earthly father was or is, no matter how good or how not good, even if you've never had a relationship with your earthly father, you can experience the love of the father the love of the Heavenly Father in a way that will supersede any earthly human experience with the Father. He wants to lavish you with his love. He chose you to be his kid Amen. before you were even born. Amen. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 11, it says, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished on us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And in love, he chose us. Before he laid the foundations of the universe, because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. He chose us. Amen. He didn't wait for us to get perfect. Amen. He chose us. He chose you. Amen. Before you were even in your mother's womb, he said, that's my child. Amen. And I want them. Even if nobody on the earth ever made you feel like you were wanted, God wanted you. Amen. That's why you're here. You see, when we reject him, because we do, even though we've been in the church for a long time, we still reject God. Sometimes he says things we don't want to hear. And he tells us to do things we don't want to do. Or we don't really understand his heart. So we doubt him. When we reject him, like the prodigal son, and even like the older brother, he still chooses us. Could you imagine that? Even though being rejected, over and over again by your children to the point that basically said, I wish you were dead because I just want to be a parent. To the point of wishing the father was dead, really. He's still chosen. And God still chooses us, no matter how much we reject him. A father love pursues. He runs down the road. He meets us where we're at. Amen. But he comes with gifts. He comes with his world of righteousness. In ourselves, we can be righteous. We just can't. Well, we can try to be righteous. We call that self-righteous, and it's frowned upon. <laughs> we try to be righteous on our own, but we can't. We have to be covered in his righteousness. Amen. See, when we put on the armor of God, we put on that breastplate of righteousness. Well, that whose armor is it? God's. Whose righteousness is it? 
gods, but we try really hard to make ourselves righteous. If I can deserve enough, I'll be righteous enough. Mm. Righteousness just means being in right standing with the Father. I want to be right in His eyes. And if I just do enough, I will be. But we can't. We'll never, we'll never be able to. Mm. It's not our righteousness, it's His. He pursues us. No matter what we do, no matter how much you've rejected him, he pursues us. His love has no limits, completely unlimited, and no boundaries. Romans 8.38 tells us this. And this is the Amplified Translation. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that was the wrong one. Okay. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Nothing separates his love. Principalities, what's that? That's demonic forces. No demon in hell will separate your, you from the Father's love. Amen. No attack of the enemy will ever make you unloved Amen. from the Father. Amen. In fact, it's pretty much an indicator that you're deeply loved by the Amen. If the enemy recognizes you as a threat, enough to mess with you, then you are deeply loved by the Father. Mm-hmm. You're His. Even angels, how majestic, majestic as it is, and how holy they might seem to us, they can't separate us from God's love. Because mm-hmm. even if I go into the depths of hell, Father, you are with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no hell you're going to walk through in this life that the Father's love is not already with you. Mm-hmm. Already with you. Jesus. He never leaves. He is not intimidated by your struggle. He is not disgusted with it. We talk a lot about the disgust of sin. And yes, there is a time where the Father will allow us to keep walking in the direction in our sin until we come to come to ourselves just like the Son and realize there's got to be a better place to be. Amen. But can I tell you that even in those places, if you don't even feel it, He's loving you still. Right. Amen. 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 He never turns his head from you. He's looking for you. Just like the father was looking for his son, he's looking for you. Now come to yourself. Not so he can bash you over the head and make you feel bad about yourself. To make you feel condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. So if you're feeling condemnation, that's not the spirit of the Lord. His love is what compels us. His love is what brings us to repentance. His love is what draws us to himself. It's his love. It's his love that Jesus even came to pay that death penalty for our sin. It's his love. Romans 8, 14. We'll go to that one now. Verse 16. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. 
and you have not received the spirit of religious duty. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he raises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our animals feeding, you are God's beloved child. Another translation says that our, our spirits cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Abba, Father. To know him as Abba. We're really good about putting characteristics on God and leaving him in these boxes. And my question is, do you know him as Abba? Amen. And we don't really talk like that. We're not in the Middle East. We don't call our, our parents Abba. But the most personal and intimate word you can give your father is Abba. It's Hebrew translated into Dad. Daddy. And to know God as Dad is way different than knowing him as Father. For instance, if my kids go up to my husband and says, Mr. Roll. <laughs> Can I please have some food today? <laughs> My husband would look at them like they're crazy. Why are you calling me Mr. Roll? I'm bad. And why are you asking me for food? Don't you know my heart is to feed you? What I have is yours. Go get something in the fridge. But we come to God and we're like, God, Heavenly Father, and we just say it, we don't really have a connection. Oh, mighty Lord. Savior, glory to your name. I need your help. And I know I haven't earned it. And I know I haven't been in my word like I needed to be. And I know I haven't been praying like I needed to be. And on this prayer meeting, but Lord, if you could just give mercy on me and help me this one time, the whole time he's saying, hey, do you not know my heart? I'm dad. Of course you can have it. You don't have to beg me. Because what I have is already yours. Amen. Amen. But it takes the Holy Spirit. Permitted. The Holy Spirit is in you the minute you say, Lord Jesus, I accept you. Come to my life. Holy Spirit's there. But you have to give him permission to operate. That's right. He's a gentleman. That's right. He is not going to force his way. He is not going to make you do something crazy. A lot of people, the Pentecostal church has really scared people with the Holy Spirit. They think it means they're going to jump up and down and roll on the carpet, jump on the chandeliers. There might be snakes in the pulpit. Who knows? <laughs> the church has scared people to the Holy Spirit. But he's so gentle. Thank you. He is such a gentleman. And you'll never know him as Abba. You'll never know God as Abba unless the Holy Spirit makes his fatherhood real to you. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Your identity is a son and a daughter. That's why we can go to him and call him Abba. Amen. That's why he can be daddy. Amen. 
Your intimate relationship will change when you allow that relationship to be personal and close. When you're spending time with him in the secret place. Thank you, Jesus. When you're with the Heavenly Father, his spirit makes his fatherhood real. And that's so important when you've never had a real father before. A father that doesn't see you as a failure. That doesn't speak ugly to you or put you down or abandon you. But the father who's always looking for you. No matter if it's been a day or if it's been years, he's looking for you. And all he wants to do is embrace you. All he wants to do is restore you back into relationship with him. His heart is for you. But which son are you? Are you the one that knew everything, understood his heart, but then left because it got a little crazy, or you thought you kind of knew better? And you want to come home to the heart of the Father? Or are you the second son that's always been here, but never truly understood his heart? never really understood that you have access to everything he has access to. That peace is yours. Joy is yours. Love is yours. Healing is yours. Deliverance is yours. And the anointing has always been yours. When you get to or you can receive the love of the Father as Abba. Because unless we come to God as children, he says we must have childlike faith. And unless we come to him as children and say, Daddy, Daddy, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know if I can trust you to call you Daddy. I don't even know if I ever want you. I want to call you Abba. I want to be close to you. I want your spirit living inside of me. I want to identify as your son and as your daughter, but I just don't know. You know the life I've lived. You know that I have no trust in humanity, and I have no trust in my earthly father. I am, they're going to be, they mess up too much. They hurt me too much. And you just cry out, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Thank you, Jesus. Help me in my unbelief, but help me in my unbelief. Thank he wants you. to heal that. He wants to heal everything your earthly father did and didn't do. He, does. he wants to fill that hole and that void. He wants to break every word curse your father has spoken over you. Every time somebody insults you, it puts it out there and says, life and death are the power of the tongue. But every word curse that's spoken over you that you aren't good enough, you're never making. You're just a bum. You're unworthy. Your heavenly father says, I'm breaking that. And you are what I call you. And I call you my righteousness. Amen. I call you my son. I call you my daughter. Amen. I call you my beloved. It's not just that, oh, you have status now as a son and daughter. You are God's delight. You are the joy that was set before. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And to experience his love in his life. Amen. When we get there, we have to remain there. John 15, 4. 
You must remain in life union with me. This is Jesus. You must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live intimately joined Amen. to mine. Amen. We must remain connected to Jesus. Yes. We must remain connected to the Father. Thank you. And we gotta just let go of all of our expectations. We have to let go of what we think we don't measure up in. We have to let go of what we thought he was even like. So many times I just have to say, God, I'm sorry. That I thought you were anything less than love. That you were anything less than Abba. I'm sorry that I put my life experience, my experience with my earthly father onto you. Because you're nothing like that. You're so much better. And I don't have to earn anything. Because you've given me the spirit of full acceptance. I am not an orphan where I have to earn my status in a family. I am your child. I am grafted in. You want to be in life with you, Jesus. He wants us to be so intertwined. The other scripture said, enfolded in Christ. That means we are so enfolded when people see us. Who do they see? Christ. Because we are one and the same. When He's in us and we in Him, we are His righteousness. Amen. The last scripture, and we're going to close, is John 15 and 9. Jesus says, I love you. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually, continually let my love nourish your heart. Amen. Continually. Amen. We remain in Him. Amen. And it's real easy to come into the house of God and feel like we are loved. Thank you, Jesus. And feel that He is with us and that he, this you, is the place He wants to do things. But when Amen. we leave, we're home. And that's where the chaos is. Yes. It's hard to feel loved then. It's hard to feel his presence then. But he says, I want to be in life union with you, and I want you to remain in my love that doesn't really matter where you are. It's almost like you're in this bubble of love. Mm. You're just protected by my love, because my love conquers all fear. Amen. Perfect love casts out fear. That's right. Fear of man judging you. Come on. Don't be afraid to step out and live radically for God. Amen. Don't be afraid to Amen. walk up full for him. Yes.
the mature ox, and you bring the weak little calf, and you put them together, you yoke it together, that strong ox will lead that young calf. And the Lord tells us to yoke up with him. Mm. He wants us to come in a bridal with him. He wants us to be together with him. So are we going to be able to do anything? No. We're young. We're still children. We're still children. But his yoke is easy. You want to know why his yoke is easy? Because he's oh. carrying it. Thank you, Jesus. So if you, you've been feeling burdened by maybe the call on your life, maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't feel used by God, and you feel this call is just sitting there as a burden, and you're just wanting so badly to be used, but you haven't been, and you're questioning your value and your worth, let me just encourage you. Thank you, Jesus. Just yoke up with Jesus. Everything Jesus did was on the journey. Every healing that we see in the Bible was on his way to do something. And on the way, he will flow the anointing through you. You just got to get yoked up with him. Amen. Get on the way. Amen. You're worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. You've always been worthy. Yes. Thank you. He loves you. He's always. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus. And he just wants us to know that he, he wants that closeness. He wants us to stop believing everything the enemy has said about who we're supposed to be. And just be. Yes. And just be. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And just be. Just remain. Just dwell. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God. It might look different than what we're used to. Because we're real good about checkbox Christianity where we do this, we check that box, and then we do this, and we check that box, and then we get to the end and we think, well, she's a great experience. He might be wanting to change that in our life. He might just want us to sit in his presence, to dwell in his presence. That's okay. Jesus. Release the expectation. Break the Hallelujah. Bust out that box. Yes. You were uniquely created. That's why you haven't fit in any box. That's why it seems different, different for other people. Like, why does it look like this for me? Because it never was meant to. Mm. You were uniquely designed. You were created for Him. Thank you, Jesus. And you were always chosen. Amen. So right now I'm just going to ask that everybody stand here.